You're listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go, a podcast that'll change how you think and change your life. I'm Willie Horton and I'm a psychologist. I've been helping people change their lives since 1996. Broadcasting from the French Alps and delighted to have you along. Let's take this week's step in the right direction. I know it's the middle of August, but I want to pick up on last week's conversation with a couple of Christmas stories. A couple of years ago, I was working with a client who was very stressed out at work. And I gave him a set of mini meditations that he could use during the course of the day to steady himself, so to speak, or as I like to put it, to hit the reset button when he needed to. I said to him, as I gave him these six mini meditations, I said, these are for use at work during the working day. He said, oh, he said, you don't know my family. He said, I'd be using these in the middle of Christmas Day. Families, eh? As we talked about last week. It reminds me of another story. I said I had two Christmas stories for you as we get into this today. A number of years ago, I was working with a client. She was one of eight sisters. Imagine, imagine, and no, no, we won't go there. And every year, her mother would invite all eight sisters and their families to Christmas Day dinner. The invitation was conditional, though. And the one and only condition was that when you do come to Christmas dinner for the day, you're all to be civil to each other. On average, three to four of the sisters turned up from one year to the next. We talked last week about the inherently dysfunctional nature of families. It's inherent because the normal mind is crazy, because the normal mind is defensive, because the normal mind thinks that life is a competition even amongst the family, or perhaps especially amongst the family. We talked about how parents in particular have an impact on children's perception of themselves, obviously while they're still children, but that flows all the way through, as we know from all our conversations, into adulthood and the creation of a personal reality that is based on what we learned during our childhood. Now, everybody's at this unless you've taken control of your state of mind. If you haven't taken control of your state of mind, today's reality has nothing to do with today. Today's reality has to do with what you learned when you were three or four or five years old, all the way up to 12 years of age. But the key stuff was learned during the third year of your life. So if you're not in control of your state of mind right now, if you haven't pressed that reset button, to which I referred a minute ago, then the reality you think you're experiencing is just that, something that you think you're experiencing. Put that into the mix of competing siblings, of parents who are dead from the neck up, of the cut and thrust and stresses and strains and challenges of ordinary, everyday, normal family life. And you have a recipe for the kind of stuff that I've been dealing with for the last 27 years. Now, obviously, 
with one or two exceptions. But obviously, when I'm talking about dealing with family issues, I'm talking to clients who are maybe 40 years of age, 50 years of age, even 60 years of age, who are still grappling with the environment in which they grew up, still battling with their imaginary place in the scheme of things, in the pecking order still grappling with the misbehavior of people around them, still grappling in particular with the misbehavior, albeit unwittingly, of parents and the throwaway remarks that we talked about last week and the impression that they leave on people for the rest of their lives until, as I said, you take control of your state of mind. Okay, a couple of things straight off before we get into dealing with family matters. Number one, if you are still playing those old movies from your childhood, if you are the kind of person who is blaming your parents, and most people blame their parents, and as I said, rightly to an extent for the simple reason that parents and their throwaway remarks leave a lifelong impression. But there's no blame involved here because the parents were only doing their best. The parents in their turn were normal crazy people who are not in charge of their own state of mind. So we can't blame them. In fact, we can't blame anybody. And if you are one of those people who is blaming something from your past that is outpicturing into your imaginary present, then aren't you a bit old to be blaming somebody else? Aren't you a bit old to not have taken responsibility for your own life? Aren't you a little bit old to have not taken responsibility for your own state of mind? That's the first thing I want to say. If you are in a dysfunctional family, or if you're grappling with the stuff that goes on as a result of the dysfunction in families, then first of all, grow up. We grow up by taking responsibility for our own state of mind. We know how to do that. There's a scientifically validated way with over 20 years scientific evidence now that proves that meditation enables you to take charge of your own state of mind. Meditation's only the training, as we've said before. You have to actually put that clearer state of mind into action in the cut and thrust of the day. That's why I mentioned right at the beginning of today's episode, mini meditations, because that's what they enable you do. So that's the first thing I would say to you. Grow up, take control of your own state of mind. The second thing I would say, because a couple of people have said to me after last week's podcast, my family wasn't like that. I'm not talking about every family here. Some families actually get on really well with each other. Some families spend holidays together. Some sisters are the best of friends. Some sisters and brothers are the best of friends. Some brothers are the best of friends. You do have to ask yourself, though, very often when I talk to people and see the interaction in family situations, how much of that is real and how much of it is imagined as a result of the imaginary nature of the reality we think we're experiencing. How much of it is play-acting? You might say to yourself, ah, oh, hold on, this guy is being cynical now. But I'm not being cynical because even apparently functioning families, by their very nature and the nature of the normal mind, have to be dysfunctional families. That's the next point I'd make to you. The key point I want to make to you, however, is that armed with a control of your own state of mind, you are in a position to deal with whatever muck is going on in any family situation in which you find yourself. When we started talking about this last week, I mentioned that a client of mine had said to me that he'd been on boards and 
on management teams that in hindsight were totally and utterly dysfunctional. And the point I made last week was you can resign from a board position. You can resign from a management position and move and get another job. You can't resign from your family. Or can you? That's the point I made last week. Some people's families are so beyond redemption. I'll give you an example or two in a minute now that you'd be better off resigning from them. In other words, withdrawing from them and getting over this fallacy that you have to get on well with people with whom you shared a womb. There are two particular families I'm thinking of where there has been a poisoned relationship as a result of there being a large family asset. It happens to be in both cases a farm. And I mentioned the issues with agricultural inheritances last week that have led to brothers and sisters literally tearing each other apart. Parents not wanting to talk to some of their children. A parent on his deathbed not allowing one of his daughters visit him. A mother widowed who will not let two of her daughters into the family home. Sons manipulating their brothers and sisters. Sons bullying parents. Daughters literally killing each other. Oh, sorry, figuratively killing each other. They're not literally killing each other. Daughters who are basically psychologically abused, being told that they're useless, being the people that do all the work. Some of this may sound familiar to you. And if it does sound familiar to you, you need to, first of all, as I said a minute ago, take control of your own state of mind and then decide what course of action you need to take. Or more to the point, decide what you need to do today and what you don't need to do today. People finding themselves in these situations have often said to me, how am I going to deal with my brother or sister, whatever? What am I going to say to them? And what if he says this, then I say that. And my answer always is, you don't need to worry about what you have to say or what you have to do, or indeed what you have to avoid saying and doing. What you have to do is take control of your own state of mind and in each interaction with these people, be present, be clear-minded, and in advance of the interaction, know what you want out of the interaction. I had a conversation with a client a number of years ago who was suffering grave stress at the time, and I assumed when she came to me first that it was her job. Now, it was her job, but actually that wasn't the seat of the stress. The real problem was her sister. She jointly owned an investment property with her sister and she wanted to sell it and her sister didn't. And this had been going on for a couple of years and they'd come to blows. They'd fallen out with each other. And I asked my client, what outcome do you want from this situation? She said, I want to murder my sister. Now, she, she only half meant that. At least I think she only half meant that. And I said to her, ah, no, you don't. I said, what do you really want out of this situation? She said, I want the situation to be resolved in a way where both of us are happy. That's what she actually wanted. 
So she set her mind to that outcome. And lo and behold, over a period of time, the investment property was sold at a big return. The two of them were reconciled. The two of them are now the best of friends that they were before they ever got involved in the joint investment in the first place. If you are, say, going home for Christmas, to go back to the couple of stories we started this particular episode with, if you're going home for Christmas and you know there's going to be all manner of drama, what you need to do is ensure that you don't get involved in the drama. Even though it may actually be your drama, or you think it is your drama, the drama that you think it is, is a creation of the madness of normal minds. And having taken charge of your own state of mind, you won't play your role in the drama. You won't get involved in the circus. Another client said to me a couple of years ago, she said, you know, my family is like a circus. There's the bearded lady. There are the dwarfs. I know this is politically incorrect, but she, this is exactly what she said to me. There's all the idiots does the ringmaster who thinks he's whipping everybody into shape? And I said to her, what role would you like to play? And she said, what do you mean? I said, do you want to get involved in the drama? Do you want to get involved in the circus? Or do you want it to entertain you? I said, the best thing you can do is sit back and be entertained by this madness. The last thing you want to do is become the clown in the circus where everybody is throwing custard pies at you, which was actually what was happening before we had our conversation. So if you are going into a family situation, I only mentioned Christmas because I've mentioned it earlier on. If you're going into a family situation, a fraught family situation, you have to know what you want out of that family situation. You actually ultimately have to know what do you want from your family? What kind of relationship do you want with your family? Now, in beginning to understand what kind of relationship you want with your family, you have to take into account whether or not the people in your family who are creating the carnage are actually capable of becoming more clear-minded themselves. Let me explain what I mean by that. We've talked over the last 99 episodes at this stage about how, when we take charge of our own state of mind, we become present. And how, when we become present, we have presence. And how our presence impacts those around us so that our rising tide of presence can lift the boats of people around us. Some people are open to having their boat rise with our tide. Some people couldn't care less. Some people are willingly drilling holes in the bottom of their boats so they sink to the bottom of their sorry little minds. So you have to know where people stand on that particular scale, I suppose. You have to have a sense of whether or not your presence will actually begin to enable everyone to resolve the situations in which they think they find themselves. Now, I keep using the word think in all those sentences because all this is created by thought. Every problem in any family is created by thought. Any problem in the world is created by thought. Some thoughts go back thousands of years, but every problem in the world is created by thought. So what you have to do, first of all, is get a sense for whether the people in your family drama 
are potentially open to having their boat lifted by the rising tide of your presence. You can't answer that question now because what you have to do is see and experience whether there is any positive reaction to you being present as distinct from you getting involved in the recurring drama that is normal family life. In other words, it goes back to something I've said many times over the past couple of years. When we take control of our own state of mind, when we do develop this presence, we have to give those who are important to us a number of chances. We talked before about the importance of intolerance. In other words, interacting with normal crazy people in a way where they get the message and book up or we get them out of our lives. That's not the case, obviously, in a family situation, at least not at the outset. We don't just discard people who are or were important to us or who should be important to us. What we need to do is be present enough to rise above the drama and the madness of a dysfunctional family situation, be present enough to give our presence out, to give each character in this drama a chance, a second chance, a fifth chance, a tenth chance, maybe even a twentieth chance. Some people, a lot of people actually, blossom when they come into the attractive halo of a present person. It's the best way I can put it. We've talked before about how when we're present, we actually shine our light. That is not a figure of speech. When we are present, our energy is so coherent that we emit photons of light, which can now be seen by the latest technology, which carry with them messages they carry messages out to this is what i want for us and that's why it's important that you need to know the outcome of what you're really looking for from a family situation or indeed the kind of relationship long term that you would like to have with your family or indeed not like to have because some people their boats will never be raised and you'll get to understand experientially who's in and who's out who's open and who's closed, who's willing to move on and change, or who is going to get worse with age. That's an interesting point. A couple of people said to me in an open workshop a couple of years ago, surely as you grow older, you grow wiser. And in my experience of dealing with people over the years, not my own clients, but the people my clients are dealing with, most people just grow older. They don't grow wiser. It's worse than that, actually, because the older a normally minded person gets, the more entrenched he or she becomes in their normalcy, as my American friends would call it, in their normality. And they get worse rather than better. So what you need to do is give everyone a chance, a first chance, a second chance, a third chance. But I was talking to one particular client a couple of months ago. And she recounted a horror story, which I'm not going to go into in any detail at all. A horror story that was only getting worse and worse and worse. The essence of the problem was a manipulative son, a bullied mother, and a manipulated sister, that's my client, who had been depended upon by the whole family 
for years, who was abused by the whole family, I mean, psychologically abused for years, who was put down for years, but who was expected to do everything for everybody. Everything came to a head one Christmas Eve, where having been put upon to make Christmas dinner for about 20 people the following day, she decided that the people who she had given a first, second and third chance to weren't worth it anymore. She got in her car, got on a plane and emigrated on Christmas Eve. That's a true story. In exactly the same way, I've worked with people over the years who, in the middle of our conversations, have gone home and left their husband or wife. Because some people simply will never change. Now, the fact of the matter is that that's a decision that they make. They may not think it's an active decision, but the fact of the matter is, and we've talked about this before, that moment to moment, we're making active decisions all of the time. Right now, listening to this, you're making a decision to either listen to this or listen to this and judge it and evaluate it and second guess it. You can do that afterwards. But what we do moment to moment is we either do what we're doing or we're somewhere else. So... People who will not change, it isn't that they can't change, it's that they're actively, moment to moment, making a decision not to change. Okay, if they're using their minds normally, it's an automatic decision. It's still a decision. And that is why meditation is so important, because meditation enables us to take control of our decision-making process and stop making automatic decisions. But some people are unwilling to change. It isn't that they can't, they are unwilling to change. If people are unwilling to change and they are taking your energy from you and sucking you dry, you need to get them out of your life, even if they are close family. The key point that I want to make here is that you will know what you need to do and how you need to do it when you take charge of your own state of mind. You will know what you need to do and how you need to do it, what you need to say and what you need to avoid saying. When, in the cut and thrust of the dramas of dysfunctional family life, you press the reset button by mini-meditating to ensure that you're on top of your game and you're in the zone and you're present whilst those around you are losing their heads. Then you can do the right thing and avoid doing the wrong thing, say the right thing, and avoid saying the wrong thing to throw petrol on the flames. Then you can choose, because now you're actively choosing, because you've disengaged your automatic pilot, moment to moment, as to what you should be doing, what you shouldn't be doing, and in the end, ultimately, what you need to do in terms of looking after yourself, because you must remember, I keep hammering this into people, you are the most important person in your life. What if your mother depends upon you? If you're not in charge of your own state of mind, she can't depend upon you, mother or father or whoever. The only way you can be there for people that you claim to love is to actually be there, to be present, to be focused, to be clear in your mind. It's the same as the old adage, you know, you have to put on your own oxygen mask first before you help anybody else with theirs. You are the most important person in your life. And realizing that you are the most important person in your life means that you are going to take deliberate, decided upon action to move your life forward. 
Some people will come with you, as I said a minute ago. Some people won't. I have some deliberate action that I would love you to take right now. Next week, on September the 2nd and September the 3rd, I have two open Zooms. These open Zooms will enable us to talk about basically anything that you want to talk about. They are what might be described as ask me anything sessions. The big feature in these Zooms is that you will get to talk with owners of my online program, people who have taken charge of their own state of mind, people who are actively making decisions in their everyday life so that they do the right thing and avoid doing the wrong thing. If you are listening to me and you already are an online program owner, you already have your links to these Zoom sessions. If you're not, and you are somebody who gets my Thursday morning videos and tips, you will have got an email from me yesterday providing you with a link to register for these Zooms. You have to register for them because they're Zooms. They're not Facebook Lives, they're not webinars. They're actually conversations, so I need to manage the numbers. If you've opted in already, cool. If you haven't opted in, would you go to your inbox and do it? Do it now. Even if you can't join in on the Friday and Saturday, the 2nd and 3rd of September, you will have access not just to the audios of those two Zooms. I am giving anybody who registers now a big, big bonus because I did something like this at the beginning of this year. And there are five hours of Zoom conversations. Ask me anything Zoom conversations from which you will immediately pick up insights and tips in relation to how to take charge of your state of life and deal with any situation that life throws at you. But more important than that, grasp the opportunities to enable you create the kind of life that you would love to live. Now, if you're not an online program owner and not getting my weekly tips and videos on a Thursday, you can use the link below this podcast to sign up for my weekly videos. And then I will send you the link to register for these Zooms and the five bonus audios of our previous Ask Me Anything Zooms. The fact of the matter is that you need to take action to ensure that you behave yourself in a world where people don't know how to behave themselves because they haven't taken charge of their own state of mind. And on that note, I will say goodbye for now. I would love to see you on Zoom. And I'm sure we'll be back on our podcast again next week. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go. To get involved, Join me in my Facebook group, strangely enough called, To Succeed, Just Let Go. And for more information, visit wwwwilly horton